So one of my, you know, big pet things is I think we've stolen boyhood off boys where we've taken and made all our playgrounds safe. You know, we don't let them roam wildly and free because they could hurt themselves. What we know is rooster boys sometimes need to be hurt a couple of times before their brain says, whoa, that is not a good choice. Yeah, and that's not us being lousy parents. That is what we call a natural consequence. Welcome to Finding Peace in Parenting, the podcast where we deep dive into common parenting concerns. I'm Rani. And I'm Tracy ann And today we're thrilled to be running the second half of our interview with parenting guru Maggie Dent. Maggie joined us to talk about raising boys. If you haven't heard the first half of her interview, I encourage you to listen to our previous episode. Maggie Dent is an author, educator, and parenting specialist, and the host of the ABC podcast, Parental as Anything. She is also the author of seven major books, including From Boys to Men and Mothering Our Boys, and with four sons of her own, there is no one better qualified to talk about raising boys. On today's episode with Maggie, we'll discuss how to talk to our boys about consent and standing up to toxic peer pressure, why they are programmed to take risks, and how do we let go. Knowing their brains won't mature for years and years to come. So, on that note, let's get into it. Maggie Dent on Raising Boys. Maggie, this is also personal. One major struggle parents have, including myself, especially moms, is the sudden lack of communication with our teenage boys. Can you share us some tips to manage this? Oh, it's heartbreaking. Oh, it can be so heartbreaking, yeah. especially if you've had that that really, you know, they would tell you things and they'd share their will and all of a sudden there's this just nothing and you think it's you. Mm. Yeah. You think it must be me. What have I done wrong? You know, like that's just us females. Okay. So what boys really want is they still want those conversations, but there are some tips. Um, Us girls really like eyeball to eyeball conversation, don't we? Mm. Especially over coffee, (laughs) maybe a piece of carrot cake, getting the veggie out the road. You know what I mean? We love a really in-depth. We want emotion in it too. Yeah. So what happens when you eyeball your son? It's actually a threat. Oh, okay. Mm. So you'll notice when boys and men are talking, it's, 45 degrees or angled, never direct. So the very first thing is what's your need for eye contact, which us girls really love, but they don't. So the thing which works really for them is also what's your timing? So ever since they first left us to go to school, we want to know everything that happened from the moment they left till the moment they came home, Mm. don't we, even though they can't remember it. So they're not that interested and they don't have a need to give us their day. That's our need. So often we want to chat in the car and interrogate them. Worst thing ever, because in the car, if you do pick your son up, he's just returning from what he sees as a war zone. Like all day he's got to try and remember how to use his manners and to think and to listen to endless words and follow rules and not touch his penis when it's itchy. And there's so many things he has to concentrate on. And he's probably also had a poo that's due all day that he's had to hang on to because he doesn't poo in the school environment. So when he gets in the car, he's got all these other things going on. He's just regrouping, yeah, and he's he's so glad that you're there. But if you start talking, you're just adding more stress onto him. 
So if you haven't got food, you know, put some music in on the car and just say, missed your boot, mate, and punch him on the arm or something, and that's it. Then make sure when you get home, same thing, give him some space. And what we tend to find is that if we pick our timing, so they've got to have food in their tummy, they've got to re-chilled from school, not doing something they want to do, so there's no way you can talk to them while they're gaming, uh, doing homework would be fun. And the best thing is side by side. And we do know that that word centre, um, the car is a goodie. Mm. The car is such a goodie. And that's where you have the big conversations about pornography and treating girls properly because he can't escape. Yeah. And he's looking out the window going, oh, but he's actually hearing you. So that's that place every now and then. Yeah. He may then, every now and then, know that's when he can have something to say. A second one is um, a ritual. So it can be for me, if one of my boys was troubled, um, I'm a mad basketball tragic. I go out and shoot hoops with them for 20 minutes. And then we'd sit down, at you know, at, you know, pat the dog or something. And that's when the words would tumble out. So that we know that physical movement often opens the mouth. So if you've got a dog, walk the dog. Mm. If you haven't got a dog, Pretend you've got a dog. But what we know is the movement actually also helps open that mouth. And then the other one that's quite common for a lot of boys is do we still say goodnight to them even if they don't want to say goodnight to us? And what is it that we do? So, again, the room's dark. Just every now and then spontaneously leap on them from the doorway, um, tell them you love them and whatever. And it's about the connection. The more strongly they feel that you've got their back, even though they've busted, mucked up, failed a test, the more you increase the chances of them wanting to have a chat and that every now and then find something really interesting to chat about that is something they're interested in. I learnt a lot about football and surfing yeah. and the things I really don't have any interest <laughs> in but and now I don't know much about because, of course, it's not my thing. So we've got to find something to be the doorway in. And then every now and then, like I said, it's the lightness. We have to remember that boys are always on guard for criticism. So true. So if we can tell them a funny joke, some knock-knock stuff, be ridiculous, honest to goodness, the more ridiculous mums are, the more boys want to talk to you. Bringing some fun in, right, Maggie? That's it. Yeah, with an element of understanding and empathy, right? That's that's the key, I think, yeah. So motivation is another big issue for some teenage boys. How do we motivate boys to take responsibility with helping around the house and especially with boys who have lost interest in school? Oh, look, that's, you know, it's a, I had to do a whole webinar on the disengaged boys and once again they're biologically wired to want to make dopamine. Mm. So if it doesn't make dopamine, they don't want to do it. It's not that they get lazy, they're just not motivated for it. And it goes back to those three C's again, is do I have any control over this? Am I good at it? Does it make me look good? And the other one is have I got a connection to someone? So that's why we know, and it's really crazy because I was an English teacher and most boys hate English because they don't like writing. And yet I could get exceptional results from boys in my classes and it was because they all thought that I loved them. Well, I tried to tell them I did and they used to roll their eyes, but I used to tell them that they all mattered the same and it was actually the classroom environment that was so warm and welcoming. The boys really want to try for those who they feel like and welcome them. So, again, the more the relationship is a positive in your house, the more likely they will want to please us. It's just the same as a toddler except on steroids. (laughs) So if 
you know, if it's, as I said before, there's different ways of getting them to do their chores, but sometimes it's the, it's the shoulder rub as they're sitting in the chair gaming going, don't forget the dishwasher. Yep, don't forget this. <laughs> um, and there's another thing too that I know this sort of sounds counterintuitive, but I found the kinder I was to the boys, the more I found they wanted to help out. Yeah, that's correct. That makes sense. Like the one who came in one day and absolutely gave me a double serve about, you know, everything and, you know, why was I always worried about, you know, his schooling and blah, blah, why didn't I blah, 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 and gave him a really rant. And it wasn't something he did very often and I thought, oh, something's going on there. Anyway, so about 20 minutes later I made him a cup of Milo, hot Milo and a cookie and I went down and knocked gently on the door. He always knock and pause mm. and I opened the door and I popped the Milo on his desk. I put the bicky on his desk. I shoved the dog in and I closed the door because what I wanted him to know was while he'd been really disrespectful to me, I still loved him. Mm, that's that's important, mm. really important. See, can we love them when they can't love yeah. themselves? Yeah. I cannot tell you how much boys ache for that because he was really feeling bad about that. Yeah. He was feeling really bad. So who he attacks? Himself. Correct, yeah. yeah, that's correct. They need to feel that they are enough. And that they will make mistakes. Yeah. Because that we did too. Mm. Yeah. We did too. And it's what happens after the mistake. And if I can just grab that for a minute, because I talk a lot about when they muck up, because they will, and they do it from, oh, gosh, as soon as they start running around, don't they, is that sometimes they have no idea what they did was wrong. That wasn't their intention. Secondly, we have to help them work out what it was that was wrong and then what are you going to do to make that right? And then next time, if you have the same inkling, what might you do differently? And then at the end of it, that's a learning. That's how we learn. We learn by ma mistakes don't make you bad. Mistakes happen to everyone because we know later that a major loss experience, a major failure right into manhood can be a trigger yeah. for a suicide. So we have to help them learn about losing and failing, recovering and coming back, but they actually need our help because so often they go, well, what was wrong with it? I didn't, I didn't mean it. No, you might not have meant it. But what were you trying to do? So jumping on your brother from the top bunk you thought was going to be really funny. Yeah. But it actually really hurt, yeah? So it's an endless emotional coaching that really helps them rather than the endless shaming. Yeah. So true. In fact, the most important teachable moments actually happen when they make mistake or experience failure, yes. right? And we need to model it. Fortunately, it didn't have a problem with me. There were things I did, including leaving one of them at the pool one day. Um, <laughs> he was 10 and a champion swimmer, but well, <laughs> technically Dad was there and Dad thought I had him and I thought Dad had him, so it was only 50% my problem. Oh, my goodness, did he really give us a serve out at 10 years of age <laughs> on what sort of irresponsible parents we were? And he had absolutely that right to call that out. We agree with him. Maggie, we mentioned, I mean, you mentioned before that um, it is important for boys' development to use their physicality and to play fight, right? But if we see one of our boys struggling to control their aggression and crossing a line, how can we help them manage these big emotions and hormones? Yeah. So a key one is crossing the line, and that's where that 
intention versus what reality is. So the little boy who is running up at the end of his school day, maybe as a little year one, and wants to say goodbye to his best friend and accidentally punches him in the head. He actually didn't have in his mind a a farewelling strategy. And so his physicality was probably going to punch his arm and missed and got his head. So this is where it starts. It starts right down there. So that same physicality again, as they get older, you'll notice that so often that little punch on the arm. Mm. Yep. It's a way of saying, hey, dude. And I mean, I was prone to positive touch. And I knew which boys I could punch on the arm and know I've made a connection. And I knew which boys that wasn't because I was a mature human being. So having those conversations from time to time about particularly in that window of 13, 14, oh, my gosh, because their brain has done that pruning, their kind of hunger to belong is based on, you know, will I make my mates laugh? So, so much of the physicality is, you know, it used to be acceptable to flick towels at each other's scrotums in change rooms. Well, we need to know that a lot of boys don't like that. And we need to know that we they can absolutely say now, no, don't. Yeah. That's not okay. So the consent stuff starts really early and it starts with both boys and boys and boys and girls. So I think they're those quiet conversations in the car that you have to have over and over again that, you know, there is a line in the sand and in our house, these are where our values are. So if someone, you know, that same sort of thing, check in with your mates. Can I give you this punch? Is that okay? But, you know, grabbing your ass, you know, with that's funny for some boys. And that's why, you know, at the moment it's such a big issue because what boys are seeing in pornography is influencing the way that they do that physicality. In the past they might flick a girl's bra strap and think it's funny, you know. Now they actually grope them with an intent you know, to really invade their space because that's what they think is now funny. So can you see that that's where the line in the sand has actually, not only did it move with all those negative influences, we have to have more conversations with boys much earlier because we now know that those things are simply not okay. The same with the banter and that language. The words that they are hearing on pornography are absolutely not acceptable mm. anywhere, mm. This is true. let alone in a school environment or on a school bus. So every time one of the horror stories appears, that's our teachable moment where we call our own son to be not the bystander who says nothing anymore, but that there will be times that they'll make a mistake and they think it's, you know, think it's really funny. And I know there's, you know, there's some really disturbing stories out there at the moment around the kind of rites of passage that older boys have done to younger boys, particularly in boarding environments and off to university and things. And we need to share those stories with boys going, this, this is absolutely abhorrent. This is never right. This is not how older boys should be treating younger boys. And I want to call you to task on this because I want you to have the courage to be one of the boys that makes a difference. And Maggie, on that note around consent, we know so much more about it than we did before. What about toxic masculinity and the domestic violence problem we have in Australia? It's so important to educate our sons about healthy relationships. How do we tackle these big issues with our boys? Well, let me start with I really dislike the term toxic masculinity because I absolutely am convinced in my work the absolute majority of our men are good, decent men, but the minority, they are behaving appallingly and they're very loud. So you're absolutely right. We have toxic men And I think a couple of those things, again, 
you know, we, we've seen our domestic violence figures actually start to go up rather than down. So we know that whatever we're doing, our education programs aren't making a difference. And I believe it is because we have to start much earlier. Me too. Much, much earlier. So now that's, that's, you know, random comment when a boy goes up and hits a girl and someone said, oh, that's because he likes you. That's absolute rubbish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so rubbish. That's where we start. You know, like, hello. So those, it's the endless conversations. But I, you know, my heart aches because one of the things we do know in the statistics, and I was just hearing, I'm not sure if it was on a documentary I saw that says that if a child witnesses violence in the home or a child is a victim of violence in the home, we increase the chances of them taking that into their intimate relationships, either as a victim or or a perpetrator. So it goes back to what, how are we parenting our children about being respectful? And I think at the end of the day that one of the things I noticed that bullying, you know, genuine bullying, not just childhood nastiness, you know, that is a learned behaviour. So we have to somehow work out how do we learn compassion and respect. Yeah. And I really do believe that, you know, this these last few months, which have been horrifying on some levels, but it's not going away now. And I take my hat off to Grace Tame, who I met recently, and Brittany Higgins, uh, you know, and that now, no, we're not pushing it aside. There is behaviour that is no longer going to be put in the dark because we're not treating our victims in, in the respectful way they deserve. And our, and our um, legal system has to change, absolutely has to change um, in terms of making the victim prove that it's it's the other way around. I think now because the message is loud and I did write a piece about it, it's not just schools that are teaching consent and we have to be very careful how we treat that. So I think it's the conversations again, the quiet chats with, with dad, the quiet chats with mum, the guardians and lighthouses in our boys' lives that are calling them to be because we, we absolutely know, and I know this is going to cringe as mothers of sons, we want to raise our sons to actually know what intimacy is. So true. We want them to absolutely fall in love with someone deeply and enjoy sharing their body with that person to be completely enjoyable and exquisite. I'm sorry, but that's what absolutely. we want to raise our boys yeah. to be. Yes. Yeah. And I think when we start from that place, they're going to go, oh, right, I might be <laughs> ready to listen because what's in it for me yeah. is is exactly the delight we want them to have, not the what they're thinking is how they have to behave. So it's taking a lot of courage for us all, isn't it, from mm. the get-go um, to have those sorts of conversations. And fortunately, there are many good people working in the area now. So I think the biggest message, sadly what I'm hearing from not only parents but some of those who run programs for boys is there's a sense of despair among teen boys at the moment that they're just being smeared as disgusting, horrible, all yeah. of them. And there are so many that aren't, and and it's it's you know we've and I think I start to say it in the book that I I wrote about this part of life for boys because they're often benign and spoken about appallingly, yeah, misunderstood. And that would make me angry, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, misunderstood. And 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 so I think we're in a time it won't go back in the dark, mm. but but what it needs is us all to come with big generous hearts to let to let boys know that they have a capacity for tenderness that should never be crushed out of them by the man box or by the world or by 
the absolute lack of integrity of people online that create violent content that really disturb our boys. It's a collective shift, isn't it? Absolutely. Everyone needs to come together for our boys. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, agree. Maggie, I want to talk about risk-taking. We know it's natural part of male adolescence, but how do we talk to our sons about risky behaviours so they might stop and think and assess <laughs> or do they ever stop <laughs> okay so one of the things we know is that what makes us intelligent human beings is the fact that our prefrontal cortex and our executive brain has finally matured now what makes a brain mature is is a process called myelination so that means the laying down of fatty white tissue on the brain there's hardly any and adolescence, and then they're wired to do all the things we've already talked about. So sometimes we've got to be careful our expectations are not unrealistic. And they said, look, I said that to you yesterday, you've done it again. You know, how thick are you? Or what were you thinking? And I think there's one of my most popular blogs is called What Was He Thinking? Well, he wasn't because <laughs> he's incapable of it. <laughs> and I did mention a little bit in when I was talking about roosters and lambs that sometimes actually need to hurt themselves. And I think they need to hurt themselves in their boyhood so one of my, you know, big pet things is I think we've stolen boyhood off boys where we've taken and made all our playgrounds safe. You know, we don't let them roam wildly and free because they could hurt themselves. What we know is rooster boys sometimes need to be hurt a couple of times before their brain says, whoa, that is not a good choice. Mm. Yeah, and that's not us being lousy parents. That is what we call a natural consequence. And a, an example of, you know, how it looks like is, if a boy drops his bike behind, you know, mum or dad's car in the driveway instead of putting it in the garage, you know, he, he gets a couple of cautions and then next time he goes to get his bike, it's nailed really high up near the ceiling on the, in the garage and he comes in and says, I can't get my bike down, Dad, and he says, no, no, because that's where it's going to stay until you can work out how to put it away safely because I don't want to run over it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's called a natural consequence. So they're not always painful but they're ones that make them think for a while. Mm. Educating. Yeah, exactly. And you sort of make them mildly uncomfortable. You withdraw something for a time. And that's why I said that 24 hours without, you know, fortnight or something might be just enough to do the reset. But there are times I have boys who surfed and there are times, you know, that we've ended up in the emergency department. Every part of my fibre of my being did not want to let my sons go out in that surf where there's sharks and there's rocks. What happened when they, and Steve Bidoff talks about the wild man within, if there's this part of them that isn't allowed to be fearless and wild, we diminish them as men because mm. it's a biological wiring to be the mammoth hunter, to defend and protect. In order to do that, you do have to have moments when you're fearless and you test your courage. So sometimes in our playgrounds, a boy may want to go beyond the, you know, to the next level of his fear. He can't because the playground's too safe. Mm. Yeah. 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 So I think we've got to look at it as a, as a whole thing and know that endlessly hoping and praying that they come home in one piece, but that when they do make those mistakes, a few stitches or a broken arm, it may be the teachable moment that yeah. might help, help the myelination lay down. But what we also know is that there are things that, you know, chew up myelin, you know, um, marijuana and alcohol aren't good for it. When we have big conversations and opportunities for boys to go away with mainly men to do risky behaviour in the containment, yeah, a little bit of containment, 
because um, we couldn't do it as mamas. We would no way we'd let them do that. But we need to let that happen again, where we have our men take take our boys on adventures that they don't need to share when they come back. No. Yeah. That stretch that capacity in the company of others because it's kind of part of the rite of passage. Can I conquer something brave? It's part of the you know traditional thing. I think there is. So we need to have realistic expectations around their age, and that sometimes that broken limb is teaching them without us needing to lecture them and and endlessly golly hope pray and the other thing I did I used to visualize my boys coming home safely I just believed that I was having an influence because if I was sitting there and I was visualizing them mangled up in the emergency department I didn't think that was helpful so I used to see them coming in the door happy you know the odd bump and bruise yeah because it helped me cope with the anxiety of being a loving mum so true true. and I think it's important as well in this sense for them to know boundaries right what is the right boundaries consequences does not have to be shaming or Mm. belittling them yeah yeah and I think I have this three-point rule for boys from the get-go try not to hurt yourself try not to hurt anyone else and try not to damage the world around you you will do it But every now and then I'm going to remind you that I want you to make sure that you're working on developing this competence in your brain that apparently the research I read recently, we know that girls is, they used to say it was 22 to 23 for girls, prefrontal finish, boys 25 to 27. New research is out saying girls are 18 to 22 and boys are 27 to 31. And I'm thinking, and I'm wondering, is is that because they spend so much time in a virtual world now rather than a real world? Don't take any notice. I'm not believing that. Well, that was uh, the last question, actually, Maggie, for you. And probably more around... Uh, you know, answering for us mums. So on that note of the male brain not fully developing until the mid-20s or (laughs) new information, 31, (laughs) um, what tips do you have, especially for mums, for us to let go of our boys, knowing that they're likely to take risks and make stupid decisions for years to come? How do we let go as mothers? Oh, It is, it's kind of one of the big reasons I wrote Mothering Our Boys because what I found was, you know, the boys who end up with a mother wound Mm. um, ended up kind of being more dangerous and risky, right? So the more loved we felt and secure, the more we tended to, you know, behave a little better down the track. So the big one is we actually have to know that they must individuate from us to grow to be the healthy man we want them to be in other words we're wanting them to do this and the only way they can do it is that we are gradually letting go and I love that saying that says you know from the time you give birth it's the longest breakup on the planet but I have reassuring news now that I have four sons um, three of them daddies uh, the oldest is only 40 and the old youngest is 32 is that it was really really hard And every part of my being wanted to hang on. Mm -hmm. And I also knew, you know, at the core of my being without the research, that unless they walked out that door at some point with both their testicles completely intact, (laughs) I was doing them a disservice to form an intimate relationship with another human being. Yeah. And and I am going to tell you that you will think you've lost them. And, oh, my goodness, two of my so. Um, I lived in Albany, which is kind of like four and a half hours from Perth. The only university was in Perth, so I had to lose them. I prepared those years for that leaving. You know, I was constantly making them learn to cook dishes and pick things up and wash things. And 
you know, I changed light bulbs, you name it. I just was building their skill level. Brilliant. When the rooster, oldest rooster went, I, I wasn't as distressed as I thought I was because he was quite a challenge. He was practising to be a lawyer from the age of two. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness, when it came time for the first lamb to go, I, look, I sobbed. It was it was like it was a death within me, I, and um, I had to resist calling him. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I just it just was really really hard. And then um, he had a gap year, and he decided he'd, he'd earned some money, wanted to go on a Kentucky tour to Europe. Look, he could get lost in my hometown, and every part of me did not want him to go. And it really is the making of them as they do those journeys, even though it's going to be a while before that. So I am going to say. If you want to raise a healthy, absolutely happy man who's capable of forming really solid relationships with others, particularly with a female, we must let them go completely. Mm-hmm. And you can write loving letters to them, um, just resist calling, resist checking they've paid the rent. <laughs> We've got to let them go, oh my go God, and figure all those bits out themselves because I am going to tell you the secret. If you do that, then they come back as a man. Yeah. And they're, when their prefrontal's growing, my goodness, suddenly my gifts turned from things they would eat or drink to things for me. Yeah. 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 You know, I was getting the ticket to the day spa. Oh. I was getting a plant and a pop because I love plants instead of <laughs> chocolates and champagne, which they drank or ate. So mm. there's this shift when they suddenly realise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Let me get something for mum. Job done. And then that's when you know yeah. you've done your job well. And you have to. My biggest message, you know, to both mums and dads out there is we have to love them fiercely and unconditionally so that they can learn to love themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a beautiful way to end. Yeah. Maggie, so much wisdom. Thank you so much. You have not only touched all of our hearts as moms, you hold our hand to hopefully go through this challenge of raising our boys with grace, with wisdom, with compassion. Maggie Dan, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom on how to raise your boys. You have amazing resources for parents at your website, maggiedan.com. There are great articles, online courses, webinars on parenting boys from littlies to teen. And these include lifetime access so listeners can watch them whenever they want. And of course, we highly recommend everyone to read your wonderful new book, From Boys to Men. That's my Bible, actually. I have it in my bedroom. That's <laughs> my bedroom. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank Maggie. you. Yay. Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let others know by sharing and rating us whenever you listen to our podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. If you would like to get in touch with a question for us to discuss in a future episode, please send us an email or send us a voice memo to hello at findingpeaceinparenting.com.